Let's go ahead and start. We'll open with prayer. Father, we just want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here this morning. We thank you, Father, that you are such a good, good Father, and we know that we are loved by you. I ask, Father, that you would help us now to just calm our thoughts and our hearts and to allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us about anything that you might have that you want us to get this morning and that we would know how to apply it and live it out in a way that honors and pleases you. We just ask now, Father, that you be with us, help us to listen, help us to have ears to hear and a heart to understand. In Jesus' name I pray and thank you. Amen. Okay, last week the theme of Proverbs 8 was on listening. Are we listening to the voice of wisdom to make godly decisions in our life? Today we will meet Miss Wisdom and Miss Folly. The word folly or fool or foolishness in a biblical sense is not necessarily someone with a small intellect. It rather refers to someone who lacks the proper fear or respect for God. Whereas wisdom gives us the proper fear and respect for God. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is the basis of our study. So let's turn to Proverbs 9, and I'm just going to go verse by verse. Verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. This is a picture of a mansion beautifully built for the reception and entertainment of her guests. She has hewn out seven pillars. The number seven in scripture refers to completeness. She has built her house on a foundation of completeness. It is solid and lacks nothing, and it stands strong. In verse two, she has slaughtered her meat, and she has mixed her wine. It was a common thing to add spices to the wine to enhance the flavor And in the hotter climates, water would be added to reduce the effect of the wine as well as to hydrate. The mixed wine was considered the best. She has furnished her table. She has made proper provisions for the physical nourishment. Verse 3, she has sent out her maidens since they have not Since they did not have cell phones, email, or postal service, it was a common practice to send out the servants with the invitations. She cries out from the highest place in the city, and we saw this in chapter 8 also. Wisdom herself cries out to those who will hear her voice. She cries where her voice can best be heard, from the highest place in the city. She did not delegate her message to others, but she delivered it herself, and her message is for all. Verse 4, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Simple here is not ignorant. It does not mean dumb, but ignorant means lack of information, weak, and liable to be deceived. But the best part about this is they are willing to learn. 
And as for him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Come, partake of what I have prepared. Notice the two elements here, bread and wine. Verse 6, Forsake foolishness or folly, and live, and go in the way of understanding. In other words, go and govern your life by right decisions and choices. Do not conform to evil, but live a spiritual life and walk straight on the way of understanding. The more we understand, the wiser we are. She is inviting them to come and eat of understanding. Verse 7 says, He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. If you know what you are going to say is going to be mocked or ridiculed, it will only harm you to continue to do so. The hardness of the heart and the pride of the hearer make him despise the teaching and hate the teacher. Have you ever had this happen? I was sharing with a young woman the things of the Lord. I thought she was a believer. One day I said, look up for our redemption draws near. And she asked me what that meant. So I told her that as we see things unfold from prophecy, such as the one world order, the one world leader, one world money, that we can know that Jesus is coming soon. I knew her husband was a true believer, and I said to him, you need to share these things with your wife. Well, that was the wrong thing to say. She went off on me like you can't believe. The audacity that I had to suggest that she needed to learn something was what she considered stepping over the line. She used language not fit to print. She told me God was an alien, the Christianity was a cult, and the Bible was full of myths and never to tell her anything about religion ever again. Well, believe me, I haven't. But I do something more powerful. I pray for her to have her eyes opened and her heart softened to hear the words of wisdom before it's too late. That is what that verse means, to continue to share when I know it would do no good, but only make a bad situation worse. It broke my heart to think that she had such a belief about my Jesus and the Bible. Verse 8, do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. You become their enemy when you rebuke a scoffer. Verse 9, give give instructions to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a wise man and he will increase in learning. The more a wise man learns, the more he loves wisdom. He learns from teaching, from rebuke, from correction, or whatever he is given, he will learn from it. Again, have you ever had to rebuke a wise person? It is hard to do, but it is a fact that they will love you if you correct them. I am still in contact with a young woman. Well, I'm young. She's in her 60s, but that's, that's young to me. <laughs> but I mentored her about 37 years ago. She was going to marry a young man that I knew was not right for her. 
She asked me to be her matron of honor, and I had to tell her no, that I could not stand up for her when I knew what she was doing was not right. Well, she married him anyway, and about 18 years later, she called me and said, Oh, how I wish I had listened to you. That was the worst mistake of my life, and we are getting a divorce. She has since met and married an amazing, godly man. They come to visit me a couple of times of the year, and we talk quite often by phone or text. If she has something come up that she has questions about, she calls. The love you get back cannot be measured when you mentor or stand with someone and you stand firm. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This fear is reverential fear. It's the fear of displeasing. And this is the only way wisdom of God can be obtained. Verse 11, for by me days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. Your day and life will be worth living. Verse 12, if you are wise, you are wise to yourself, and if you scoff, you will bear it alone. In other words, wisdom will help you make godly decisions in your life, and the scoffer only hurts himself by refusing to listen to wisdom's call. Miss Wisdom offers the one who turns into her home both physical food and spiritual food. Let's turn to Matthew 22. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10, and you know what this is. This is the king uh, preparing the wedding feast for his son. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. He sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited that I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard it, He was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. And and those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. I think we can see that Miss Wisdom and the King are pictures of Jesus building his church. So let's see if we can find any similarities between and among the three. Miss Wisdom has built her house. The King lives in a palace. Jesus built his body, the flesh, is his, is his house. Miss Wisdom has seven pillars for, for completeness. There are seven gifts of the Spirit listed in Revelation and in Isaiah. Miss Wisdom has slaughtered her meat. The king had killed the oxen and the cattle. Jesus became the sacrifice himself. 
Miss Wisdom has mixed her wine. And with Jesus, we have the cup of communion, but it is unmixed. Miss Wisdom has furnished her table. With Jesus for the church, there's a feast waiting for the church in heaven. Miss Wisdom sent out her maidens. The king sent out his servants. Jesus sent out the apostles. Miss Wisdom cries from the high places. The king called to all. And Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are labor and are, labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Miss Wisdom calls to those that lack understanding. The king, they all made excuses. Jesus says, Come and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Miss Wisdom offers life. Jesus offers us eternal life. Now let's take a look at Lydia, our woman of the Bible, who is in our study for today. Lydia apparently was quite well off as she owned her own home and had servants. She was a seller of purple, and purple was very costly, and only the wealthy could afford clothing of the color of purple. Purple dye was obtained from a marine mollusk, by breaking the shell and obtaining a small gland in the neck of the mollusk that gave out a milk-like fluid that turned purple or scarlet upon contact with the air. Lydia was Paul's first convert. Lydia was Paul's first convert in Europe. She believed in God, but after meeting Paul, she became a follower of Jesus. Perhaps her home was like the home of Miss Wisdom, well-furnished, properly prepared, and well-built. She does what Miss Wisdom does. She invites Paul and his companions into her home, which they accepted, and she and her household were baptized. Thus, her home became the first church in Philippi. Now let's meet Miss Folly. A foolish, in verse 13... A foolish woman is clamorous. She is loud and boisterous. She is the opposite of miswisdom. She is simple and knows nothing. She is open to all forms of evil and knows no shame. There is a saying, I love this saying, I had to put this in here. There is a saying that goes, there are some people who know not, N-O-T, Okay, there are some people who know not. There are some people who know not, N-A-U-G-H-T. But pity the person that knows not, N-A-U-G-H-T, that they know not, N-A-U-G-H-T. Miss Folly falls into the last category, and the word not means nothing. So she falls into this last category. She knows nothing about nothing, and she doesn't know she knows nothing. What a sad state to be in. Verse 14, she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest place of the city. Miss Folly sits the same place as Miss Wisdom, perhaps their neighbors. Her house has no pillars, and she has not prepared a feast for those she's calling out to. Verse 15, she calls to those who pass by. 
who go straight on their way. She calls just as Miss Wisdom does. She calls to those who are just going about their business. She calls to the unexpected. She calls to those who are then caught off guard by her call. All she has to do is sit and invite with a few seductive words. Verse 16. Her call is the same as Miss Wisdom. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says of him, she says to him, verse 17, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Pleasures are attractive because they are forbidden. Sin is sweet for the moment, but the regret lasts a lifetime. Notice what she offers as nourishment. Only water and bread, the food of a prisoner. Her home is not prepared. She cannot offer anything good. Her appeal is to the sensual only. Verse 18. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. This is where sin will always lead to death. Now let's read the rest of Matthew 22, verses 11 through 14. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. As with Miss as with Miss at Miss Folly, there is another house being built by our enemy, the enemy of our soul, Satan himself. Miss Folly can be compared to the great harlot in Revelation 17. The judgment of the great harlot whom the king of the earth committed fornications with were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. In other words, her wine was mixed. She deceives those left after the rapture with a false religious system of belief. God says he will mix double for her in the cup in which she has mixed. So let's look at Miss Folly's house and Satan's house and, see if, and, and some with the king to see if there are any correlations there. Miss Folly is clamorous. She's loud and boisterous. In Satan's house, it's loud, demanding, and he wants you to make a quick decision. He doesn't want you to stop and think. Miss Folly calls. The king called. And Satan calls. Miss Folly's house is empty. The king's halls were empty. In Satan's house, there's only darkness, but there are many there. Miss Folly has made no preparation. She only serves bread and water. In Satan's house, there's only starvation and outer darkness. Miss Folly, her house, leads to death. The king, the the guest not properly clothed, led to death. And Satan's house will always lead to eternal death. Proper wedding dress was always provided by the father. The man tried to come in wearing what he wanted instead of what was prescribed. 
When we try to do our own thing, the result is always very painful. As the bride of Christ, we are dressed in his righteousness, our proper wedding garment for the marriage feast of the Lamb. So what do we have here with Miss Wisdom and Miss Folly? We have two women. One is wise and one is foolish. We have two homes. One is properly furnished and one is barren of anything good. We have two meals. One feeds the physical and the spiritual and one feeds only the flesh. We have two invitations, one to learn and one to scoff. We have two voices, and both are saying the same thing, and both are calling out to all. And we have two outcomes, one to life and the other to death. We can certainly see the battle between good and evil, one house offering the best and one house offering the worst, one voice calling for understanding in life and the other calling to the simple and to death. The choice is always there. Which voice will we listen to? The one that causes us to learn and grow or the one that will cause death? One house is built on a solid rock. The other is built on sifting sand. When the storms of life come, the one built on the rock will stand. The one built on the sand will fall because there's no foundation to hold it steady. I like what Joshua has to say in Joshua 24, the last part of verse 15. And you probably all know this verse. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Which one are we serving? Which one are you serving? We have the same choice. It's which voice are we going to choose to listen to? Miss Wisdom, Miss Folly. Which house are we building? Are we building the house like Miss Wisdom or Miss Folly? And who will we choose to be like? Miss Wisdom or Miss Folly? I want to close with something that I read on Facebook. I know. You can't find very much good on Facebook, but I thought this was pretty good. One day, a man was crossing a bridge in life, but he was scared, so he turned and asked God, Can I hold your hand so I may not fall? God said, No, my child, but I will hold your hand. He asked, What's the difference? And God replied, If you hold my hand and something happens, you might let go. But if I hold your hand, no matter what happens, I will never let you go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for reminding us of our choices. We have a choice to be wise, and we have a choice to be simple. And like Miss Folly, we have a choice to listen, and we have the choice to refuse to listen. Father, we have the choice to receive counsel, though it may not be what we want to hear, or we have the choice to refuse it. 
Lord, I pray right now that you help each one of us to examine ourselves, to help us to know, do I really want to be like Miss Wisdom? Do I want to be prepared? Do I want to be properly clothed? Do I want to be ready to meet the Lord and be invited to that marriage feast of the Lamb? Or do I want to just continue to do my own thing, my own way? I ask, Father, that you would just help us now as we go into our groups, that we would have special, sweet fellowship with each other, that we would be a witness and a testimony to each other, that we would be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you bless the food that has been prepared, that you... Um, Bless the hands that have prepared it and provided it. Thank you for all that has already taken place this morning to make this morning possible for each one of us. I just pray now, Father, you help us all to just let our hearts sit quietly before you and listen to what your Holy Spirit has for each one of us as we get into our groups and we get into your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.